Before I begin my homily, I want to I put this out there to offer you an invitation to join me in something that I think is very important. It's a rosary challenge to pray one rosary a day until the spring or the summer of this coming spring or summer for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. So Roe v. Wade was that hideously evil law that was passed by the Supreme Court in the early 1970s that ultimately has resulted in the deaths of tens of millions of defenseless innocent babies. The Supreme Court has only ever reviewed this decision one other time, 1991, and now it's doing it again. So it's only about every 25 years that the Supreme Court actually looks at overturning Roe v. Wade itself. And so between now and the time in which the Supreme Court goes public with their decision on this, I invite you to join me in praying a rosary a day for this intention of overturning that hideous thing. Now, some people will say, well, can I offer my rosary for something else too? Yes, you can offer it for multiple things, but just to pray a rosary a day with at least one of the intentions of that rosary being to overcome this. And think of it this way. The rosary has performed countless miracles down through the ages through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And of those nine Supreme Court justices, six are Catholic. Five of them are practicing Catholics. Imagine one of them sitting right here and hearing your pastor speak like this. It might help that one to decide to stop killing babies. So if you join me, I think that would be terrific and count on the power of God. Not our own, but God's power and grace to act with whatever sacrifice we make in that regard or any others. Okay, now on to my homily. Priorities. Today Jesus is is speaking to priorities here. Somebody asks him a question about the law. And Jesus gets to what the law is about. The law is ultimately about love. And here Jesus lists two things that we are to do with our love. To love God first and foremost, above all other people and all other things, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And secondly, is to love our neighbor as ourself. Yet there's a couple of other things about love that we need to draw our attention to. The first is love itself. Well, notice that here Jesus is saying the most important of all of the laws of God, or the most important reason for all of the laws of God, is not happiness, it's love. In our world today, we're obsessed with personal happiness. I watch TV because it makes me happy. I look at my smartphone because it makes me happy. I'm lazy and I stay in bed, it makes me happy. I eat too much because it makes me happy. I, you know, whatever. I, I duck and hide my Catholic faith because it makes me happy. Jesus never said anything about making us happy. We'll be happy in the next life. In this life, as well as the next life, our job is to love. And sometimes love does make us happy. But a lot of times, love really hurts badly. Love always, of course, if it's anything more than lust, is going to involve sacrifice and suffering. It's why dads and moms go off and work a job five days a week that they don't like at all. It wears them down and makes them miserable, etc. Why are they doing it? For love of their family and paying the bills... Why do moms roll out of bed in the morning to get their kids up in the morning and get their kids off and ready for school? For love. Why do moms and dads insist that their children attend Mass, even when the children groan and moan and all that other stuff and drag their feet? 
because the parents understand that they need to love God, that their children need to learn to love God more than their own selfish happiness. And the list goes on and on and on. So love is the first priority, not happiness. And don't ever get the two confused. If you do, Satan has you. He'll take your happiness all the way to the flames of hell for eternity. Don't fall for happiness. Fall for love, the real deal. Then Jesus gets into, what do we do with that love? Well, we prioritize God. That God has to be number one. With all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we've got to love God. And by extension, the Catholic Church. We, oh, I love God, I just blow off the church. No, you don't love God. That's a lie, you don't. That's like saying, well, you know, I, I, uh, I love you, sweetheart, but I hate the children that you bore. You don't really love her, do you? Jesus reveals himself to the human race through the Catholic Church. Once Jesus ascends into heaven, how do we know anything about him? Because the twelve apostles and others proceed to write the New Testament. The Catholic Church wrote the New Testament, the four Gospels, etc. The Catholic Church took the Jewish writings and decided what would compromise the Old Testament. The Catholic Church put the Bible together because without the keys of Peter and the keys to the kingdom of heaven and earth, there's no authority to do anything. Through the Catholic Church are the seven sacraments that are necessary for salvation. Through the Catholic Church is the indwelling of God in the flesh. Everything we know about God, about Jesus Christ, the truth, and our pathway to heaven is found in this, the body of Christ, the Catholic Church. So Jesus is saying, God must be number one. And then we have to hear in that, I guess I've got to take the church pretty seriously then. Because if I don't, I'm not taking him seriously. Now, before you think, oh, God's number one in my life, think of this. When you're away on vacation, and you know it really upset your spouse to go to Mass when you're away on vacation, or your adult children or whoever you're with, and you decide, for the betterment of my family, I better not go to Mass. Well, it's pretty clear that God is not number one. Your own personal happiness, your family, or whatever is number one, not God, and that's a problem. That's a real problem. You see, before we get into heaven, God will be number one. For all the angels and people in heaven, God is number one. Not their earthly spouse or their earthly children or anything else. Not their reputation, their wealth, their health, their fame, their popularity. God is number one. And no one gets in that place without God being number one. So he either becomes number one while we're still on earth, or he becomes number one while we're in purgatory. And if he's not number one on earth, then we're rolling the dice on whether we even make it to purgatory. So please, by the grace of God, work with Jesus to make him number one in your life, in your marriage, in your family, and everywhere. The second thing that Jesus teaches about is that thing that's actually what the pagans do. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We hear from people in Congress and state legislatures and all that, this thirst for equality, to make everyone equal, make everyone the same gender, make everyone the same color, the same height, the same income. There's this obsession with equality. 
Well, there's just within us this DNA that says there's an injustice about not being equal. Little children let you know right away if their sibling got a bigger share of dessert than they did. There's just an ingrained sense that we should all be equal. And here Jesus is exactly speaking to equality. But it's not a big step to go from that innate DNA thing within us about equality to saying, I need to treat my neighbor how I would want to be treated. But there's still more. We're in Mark's gospel, and what's happened here is Jesus and his caravan have made their way down to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem, and he's giving his teaching today. Next Sunday, we'll hear about the little old lady and the widow's mite in the collection basket. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's preparing now for these last days on earth. Well, that will continue in St. John's Gospel to the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. So today in Mark's Gospel, we hear, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in St. John's Gospel, he takes that second one a step further and says, No, love one another as I have loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? There it is. He laid down his life to be tortured until he could not breathe anymore for me and you. He's not a sinner. We're sinners. He did nothing to deserve that. He did it anyway on the gamble that you and I would accept him and join him one day in the kingdom of heaven. That's him loving us. And that's what he wants us to do for another. And so parents kind of understand this. I'm going to serve my children. The children are not going to... They're going to complain about the dinner that I fixed. I I went to the store and bought all the stuff. I whooped up this big dinner and the children are pouting and not wanting to eat any of it. And now as a parent, you're upset naturally, etc. But you know what? Tomorrow night you're going to fix some dinner again, aren't you? You're just going to keep at it. You're just going to keep at it. You're going to keep serving them and serving them, even though they're not loving you as their neighbor, are they? And they're certainly not loving you as Jesus loves you. But this is our big opportunity. And it's not just with kids. It's for me to come here six mornings a week to say Mass, to be on display for you, and to give you a homily when I just want to crawl into a corner. When I just want to, my nervous system is shot. I just, I still have to get up here and do it anyway. That's loving you as Jesus loves me. Every day he gets up for me. Every day he gets on the cross in Calvary for me. And he wants every one of us to love one another as he has loved us. So there are three teachings then, four teachings then on love. That love is our priority, not happiness. Love God first. Love our neighbor as yourself. Take it to the next level. Love one another as God has loved us, as Jesus loves us. And finally, when those four things happen for us, we're truly transformed. We truly are. Then we're able to receive God's love for us in full. As long as there's any selfishness in holding back from God or selfishness in loving our neighbor as God loves us, then we can't receive the full measure of God's love for us. We're also holding him back. No, God, I don't want all of your love. 
I don't want to be completely fulfilled and happy and peace and strength no matter what's going on in my life. I'm too selfish to receive it right now. But he wants us to put our hand down. And he wants us to receive the totality of his love. But we have got to start loving in a selfless, sacrificial way to receive all that he wants to give us. And when we have done that, we start to live heaven on earth. And it doesn't matter if you're in a prison or your marriage fell apart or you never got married and it broke your heart for all of your life or your kids are a mess or whatever. It doesn't matter. We start living with Christ in us. And it's truly transformative. And then as Jesus says to this man, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. So love, just give it all away. And love, and be like Christ.